Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. There are times as a Syracuse basketball fan when it's deserved to be sad, right? After a big NCAA tournament loss, after going down to Duke or North Carolina in the final seconds. There are times when it's okay to be angry, whether it's an NCAA tournament loss by the slimmest of margins, the NCAA, John Wildhack, right? There are reasons to be angry. But after a 96-76 loss to Georgia Tech of all teams, the only emotion I feel, Liam Griffin, and I am Ian Unsworth, by the way, is disappointed. We are recapping the 20-point drubbing in the dome of all places here on this FizzCast. LG, this was one of the most miserable games I've ever attended in my life. And I have been to some bad Michigan football games, like in the worst periods of Michigan football. But this was on another level, just just dilapidating. Dilapidating is a very interesting word to use there, because to be honest, Ian, I don't even know if you can call what we saw in the Dome last night a basketball game. To be honest, it looked like one team running up and down the floor with all the energy in the world, knocking down three-pointers like it's a pregame shoot-around. And then you have Syracuse, who frankly looks like it doesn't care. Jim Beheim goes in the press conference and says, yeah, that's on me, yada, yada, yada. Then do something about it, for goodness sake. You talk about this team can't play a man. You're comparing your team to Pablo Picasso, who's been dead for God knows how long. I mean, if you're going to show men, you have to practice it. You talk all about how you practice the zone. You can't go to man in the middle of a game. It didn't work out great. And this is, you don't want to say you saw it coming because it's Georgia Tech. It is a bottom feeder in the ACC. But at the same time, it felt inevitable because when you have Clemson, Pitt, Duke raining threes on you left and right, not the same caliber team as Georgia Tech. But in those three games, Jim Beheim showed no urgency or desire to make any sort of meaningful change. And that was on full display tonight. And if you are in the central New York area, congratulations. You didn't have to watch the game because it wasn't available on Yes. Yeah, I'm sorry to whoever was at a sports bar at 11 p.m. and Yes was randomly on and this game came on. Probably wanted to rip your eyes out. Uh, let's let's start where you, where you began, Liam, with the fact that playing man-to-man didn't work. Well, Jim Beheim switched to man-to-man because the, the press didn't work and the zone didn't work either. Let's be very clear on that. Nothing that Syracuse did last night was stopping Georgia Tech. The Yellow Jackets scored 53 points in the first half, 43 in the second, made 18 of their 43-point attempts. Miles Kelly and Lance Terry both had seven apiece. Kelly scored a career-high 30. 18 three-pointers is a Georgia Tech program record. Just let that sit for a second. Georgia Tech had not won a road conference game until last night. And they come into the Dome and win by 20 via 18 three-pointers. I mean, the, the fact that they attempted 40 alone absolutely boggles your mind, Ian. And I understand that college basketball and with that basketball as whole, whether it be at the 
at the middle school rec league level or the pro level, that's the gap. We're shifting towards it becoming a more flashy shooting from long range style game. And the fact that you have these zone defenses that are literally begging teams to shoot three pointers. It doesn't matter if you're the 2018 Warriors or a team predicated on pounding the ball inside. If you get open shots, you're going to make them eventually, especially at the ACC level in Division One. Georgia Tech, not a great three-point shooting team. But when you're going up against this Syracuse zone, you look like the 2018 Warriors. Now, on to your point about man-to-man, this is the first time we've seen it, or at least it's been notable, since the Colgate game. After that game, Jim Beheim comes out and said, says, we're not good enough to play man. Every other Division I team in college basketball is playing man. So you go three and a half months in between man-to-man defense sets. That, 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 that makes absolutely no sense. And when you look at some of these games that have come down to the wire, UNC, Miami, I know we're going a little while back, and this is an entirely different team now, but you wonder what the outlook of this team is like if Jim Beheim hadn't been so cocky, for the lack of a better term, and tried, tried to run more man sets because that's what you do in college basketball these days. I, I don't know. I don't know what Beheim was thinking. He said for the past three weeks in his presser, his team had worked on nothing but defense. Yep. But he's also said plenty, yes, plenty of times that it's harder to teach man-to-man defense than it is the zone. So why are we, with one game re- left in the regular season, still struggling to teach zone concepts? I don't know. And why is a Georgia Tech team that has six rotation players, all five Georgia Tech starters, played at least 37 minutes last night. Wow, that's wild. None of them had over three fouls, by the way, which is just an asinine stat, right? You figure if the tallest guy is six foot seven, that your 6'11 guy might have a little bit more, you know, bit more of a draw inside. You would think. But, I mean, that that's, that's all kind of by the wayside. I think my biggest problem here is that the zone, as we've, it feels like this has been discussed ad nauseum at this point, but the zone is is a puzzle that you've done a bajillion times already. It's the same thing every time. Yeah, sure, sometimes they bring the wings up. Sometimes Joe and Judah expand out. But you always know where the weak spots are. It's never based on an individual matchup. It's never based on whether, say, Kyle Sturdivant is better than Joe Girard, it's always based on can you get the ball to the middle and can you make shots? And it's just too easy for every single team that runs up to it at this point. And think about the best Bayheim teams. You don't have the, the long players up front. You don't have a Michael Carter-Williams and Brandon Trish. They're not walking through that door. You don't have big, sturdy wings down low. You don't have C.J. Fair or James Sutherland, strong guys that are long and active and want to rebound. And Raheem Christmas and Jesse Edwards are two completely different players. Yep. Right? So it's it's partially Bayheim not being willing to change. And it's partially Syracuse not having the talent or the guys to compete anymore. 
So and if we if we back here, let me let me finish one sec, Liam. If we if we back off of this and look at this from a completely neutral perspective, a coach in any other college basketball setting nowadays, his team's been beaten by 20 points four straight times. Teams have put up 90 four straight times, right? Say this is like Nebraska, and and you know. It's they just got some random dude coaching. Chances are that guy's getting kicked. Like he is getting fired. So I think you make an interesting point about that because after the game last night, there were replies all over at the orangefizz.com to our tweet saying something along the lines of in 240 characters or less, explain why Jim Behan should coach this team next year. It was hard to find anything positive out of that, Ian, because he set the bar so high at the start of the season. You talk about SU not having the talent to compete anymore. Well, if you flash back four and a half months to Jim Beheim's opening day press conference when he did he dissed the Big Ten, among other things, he talked on and on and on about how this recruiting class is the best he's had in his 47 years on the Hill. He called it. He called the team a tournament caliber team. He said this yeah. team could make the NCAA tournament. He absolutely did. And let, let's think about that for a second. The, Judah Mintz, probably going to the NBA either after this season or next season. He's panned out. He's panned out fine. But let's look at the rest, shall we? Malik Brown, good rebounder and defender, not a big offensive threat. And yeah. you, like we could have told you that in October. Yep. Quadir Copeland. Ball of energy, I think Kyrie, I think higher of him than most, hasn't made a big impact this year. Peter Carey, I don't believe he's played since the Bryant game, in part due to injury. But Justin Taylor had the had the next Buddy Beheim magnet attached to him when the season started, hasn't even come close. And I know he hasn't played a whole lot, but no. Chris Bell starts SU's first 28 games. Gets lambasted for his rebounding time and time again, and has played left bench in each of SU's last two contests. And apparently, according to some of our friends in the Syracuse media contingent, Bell was just slumped over in his locker after the game because yep. Beheim said he might start. And then Bell had a poor practice yesterday, and Beheim benched him for the entirety of the forty minutes. Yep, you you hammered you hammered the nail in the coffin there, Ian, and. How bad a look is it for Beheim? He's he's his words and press conferences this year are perhaps the most controversial and media enthusing they have ever been. Because when you look at what he said about the Big Ten, this recruiting class, his numerous interactions with student reporters over the past month and a half in change, and also him blabbing about how insert ACC teams have gone on buying their rosters thanks to NIL. How badly can this guy flush his reputation down the drain over the course of a few months? It's it's really sad because the people that still stick by Bayheim stick by him because of his NCAA tournament runs, the Final Four, the Sweet 16s, all of that stuff that every once in a while makes its way, you know, it just comes out of left field. Yep. But it's the greatest thing in the world for Syracuse fans. And it's it's a great thing for any town, any team to have an NCAA tournament run. But think of 
and again, we when we take a step back and look at the context, not just what's happened in this past month, especially when it's you beat a ranked team for the first time in two years, and then you come out and lose by you know give up ninety four straight times. But how like your NCAA tournament runs are your bread and diamonds? Butter. Yeah, that's your bread and butter. But it's also you know your pearls, your diamonds sitting on a pile of crap. You're, you you made the NCAA tournament, made the Sweet 16 after being an 11 seed. This team has not been competitive in the ACC since 2015, since, since 2016. Since year in the program. Yeah. Or in the conference, I should say. It's a, the, the bar is high, but this year the ACC is worse than ever. Syracuse is a part of that. And I don't, I don't want to hear people complaining about the ACC getting bashed. The metrics show it. The ACC, if you take all the teams, is worse than the Mountain West. Yeah. The Mountain West features San Diego State, Boise State, New Mexico State, Fresno, like all those random mid-major teams. Uh, But that's besides the point. The ACC as a whole is bad. Yeah. And Syracuse is looking like it is at the bottom of the ACC. Syracuse, for the first time ever, if they lose on Saturday and BC wins, Syracuse will play on Tuesday of the ACC tournament. And Boston College has Georgia Tech at Conti Forum this weekend. That's a game, in theory, they should win. Coming off of a win on the road at Wake Forest. And you make a very interesting point bringing up this whole landscape of the ACC. When I look at, when I look at the Atlantic Coast Conference, do I see any team that can legitimately make a run far in March Madness? And the answer Duke. to that question is, at best, Miami. And I, I believe- I'd give you, I'd give you Duke too, but still. And you're as talented as Duke is. You're banking on a young team that hasn't reached its potential all season to make a run. And the Hurricanes had the experience, but they. It's a new it's a new team that has never been in the NCAA tournament as one before. The Hurricanes had a lot of roster turnover. And you meant now let's shift focus to the bottom of the ACC. You have these blue bloods, Syracuse and Louisville, who 10 years ago, if they met, would be a nationally televised game, likely primetime on ESPN. It was nothing short of a comedy show when they met at this when they met two months ago. It was not, it was exact, it was exactly that, even. And the fact that SU is now spiraling towards a potential first-round matchup with the Cardinals on Tuesday. What more do you need to say? It's embarrassing. It really is. Embarrassing is is a good word uh, to frame around this whole situation. Georgia Tech beat Syracuse 96-76. Liam Griffin and myself, Ian Unsworth, are pretty far off the beaten path here, but that's just kind of how things get when this is the result that, that churns out of a Tuesday night showing against the second worst team in the ACC. It's kind of all come to this at a certain point. Bayheim can stay as long as he wants to. I think he's made that clear. I don't think John Wildhack is going to come out and fire him. He can't. Bayheim will fire Wildhack before the other other result happens. If John Wildhack tries to give Jim Bayheim a nudge, and say, hey, man, you know, we really appreciate everything you've done. I think all of Central New York appreciates everything you've done. 
but uh, we'd, we'd also like for you to step aside so we can start pushing this program forward and restoring the image of Syracuse basketball. What happens? That's, that's the real wild card at this point. What happens if Jim Beheim is maybe asked to step aside or asked for next year to be his last if, if succinctly? That, if that happens, this town is going to go in burning flames. Not oh, yeah. Literally, but the chaos that is going to surround the SU athletic department is going to be at an all time high and really at an interesting time, too. Today, March 1st, the change in NCAA leadership, Charlie Baker stepping in for Mark Gemmert, who admittedly set a very low bar for the program. And wouldn't that be quite the way to start that tenure to have one of the most high profile, controversial coaches in college basketball? be asked to step aside by a school's athletic director. But if Jim Beheim says no, what kind of controversy might that cause? What kind of contract? Again, Syracuse won't release his contract details. Absolutely not. So we don't know what the real scenario is. All we know is that John Wildhack told ESPN Radio Syracuse yesterday that, oh, we are always looking at new head coaching candidates, but be assured we have a plan in place. Well, planning for the future has not turned out well for Syracuse because right now it doesn't look like some players were sticking around for next year. And honestly, I can't blame them. And then you also lose Marcus Adams, who after probably tuning tuning into about five minutes of yesterday's game on ACC Network Extra because it wasn't on actual TV, Adams said, you know what? Instead of coming to Cuse Wake Forest this weekend, I'm going to UCLA, Arizona, which is a top 10 matchup. You can't really blame the cat, right? But he had a top five with Syracuse in it and an NIL offer from Adam Weitzman a month ago. And now that the the grass is pretty greener in Southern California, he's looking elsewhere. I think, and the thing about this that really strikes a chord is that Adams is a kid from Harbor City, California, which is a southern suburb of Los Angeles, UCLA is right in his backyard. Theoretically, he could have gone whenever he wanted to. He had this scheduled trip to Syracuse, LA and Syracuse, not exactly convenient, as our friend Cameron Azir would tell us, but the fact that he backs out and is just going to UCLA, granted, you can't blame him, and I even wrote about this this morning. You can check that article out on theorangefizz.com. If you can convince me that Syracuse Wake Forest at this stage of the season is more appealing than UCLA, Arizona, a top 10 matchup, two of the best teams in the country in the Pac-12, two teams that are probably going to make the second weekend of March Madness. If you can find an argument that Syracuse Wake Forest is more appealing without bringing up the 20-year anniversary or the Jersey retirement, welcome to Team Fizz is all I'll say. Yeah, and and that's our that's the message that a lot of Central New York has been giving that the past is why Jim Beheim should stick around, and then people who have eyes on the present, people who have eyes on the future, are not not so sold. I think a two star recruit from Baldwinsville would even question going to Syracuse after Absolutely. after what happened last night. Uh, I guess this this is where we should wrap things up. Liam, I don't know if there's much more to say about this game. I think um, I think we've vented all of our negative thoughts at the moment, yeah. Ian. And 
I don't know what sort of expectations you can have for Saturday. It's an, it's supposed to, I expect it to be a big crowd, even though this team stinks now because of the Jersey retirement and the 20th anniversary celebration should be a fun crowd. But in terms of the game itself, I really don't know what you can expect. If they go out and lose by 20 with Mello and Hakeem Warwick in there, by the way, people probably, are going to lose their minds. Probably the first time Mello, Warwick, and GMAC have been in the Dome together since 2003. Yeah, I, they might put Mello out there, and I don't know how much it would change things. It's a sad state of Syracuse basketball at the moment. Well, for Liam Griffin, I'm Ian Unsworth. We're going to wrap things up here. It was pretty, pretty sad game, but LG, at least we got to release a bit of the steam coming out of our ears. Oh, yeah. You can check out all of our content at theorangefizz.com or at orangefizz on Twitter. Both Liam and I have articles bemoaning the situation up there and ready for your enjoyment or disenjoyment. Whatever the case may be, as always, thank you for tuning in and a very disheartening Go Orange for your week.